Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi. Welcome to Finders Grievers, a happy ish podcast about sad things. I'm your host, Shohana Sharman. Today, I am chatting with everyone's favorite musician slash comedian slash all-around ball of joy, Ayaka Kinogawa. Ayaka is a Japanese musician based in Toronto and is actively involved in Toronto's comedy scene. She is a musical director at the Second City Toronto and has toured across the U.S., including sold-out performances at the Kennedy Center. She also composes music for multiple live and film productions and the hip-hop project Cocophonics. She's a member of the Skechersons as well as Bad Dog Theatre feature players. Ayaka also likes blueberries. You can find Ayaka on Instagram at ayaka.kinugawa and you can watch her weekly cooking show Ayaka's Kitchen on Bad Dog Comedy TV on YouTube. So, without further ado... Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice yeah. to see you. Nice to see how are you, you too. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, you know, living, surviving. Um, mm. I just have to very quickly say I see a beautiful bird of paradise. It's, oh, it's gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. getting taller than me. Yeah, <laughs> I think mine's going to get there too soon. Okay, so can you tell me about um, who you lost? I lost my father. I was eight, nine, eight years old, eight years old. I'm pretty sure I was eight years old. But I remember he was, what I heard about him was he was a popular guy at school. So he was like a school, like student union leader. And I remember there's always like a, a, a soccer ball hanging in, in our hallway. And that has so many like, um, how do you say it? it's like a thank you letter from someone kind of kind of thing like so many messages soccer ball full of signatures yeah yeah from his friends uh when he got married to my mom i think there was so many like so many of them like so many friends came over came in got invited to his wedding and and yeah it's just like a i think he was a little bit humorous in a way that I don't remember too much about that part but I remember he was laughing a lot and he liked pop music and uh, like watching pop music like a tv show that's like music tv shows and stuff like that um yeah so obviously he played soccer he was in soccer club but he also played like baseball with me like a catch catch ball with me and other than that, I remember one time he 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 liked auto. How do you call that? Auto motorcycle, motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Like uh, go, going for a ride. He liked that a lot. So yeah, he was working in like a finance uh, field, and then like on a weekend or long weekend, like he just goes on a motorcycle ride with his friends. And one time he came back with um. He always gave, gave me like some kind of souvenir, but this time he's like, okay, here's a souvenir. And he gave me a, a, a nail, 
like a human nail that he lost because he fell and he lost a pinky like nail and he gave it to me and my mom was freaking out like what are you doing and then yeah but i was like oh thank you oh that's funny let, let me see your pinky i remember that uh, like so vividly and it's funny i actually didn't remember i didn't think about it i remember it but i didn't think about it right now i don't think i had i had told this story to anyone else in my whole life it just came to me right now yeah so that kind of like a hu humorous person i guess uh, that's that's what i remember <laughs> that's my favorite gift i've heard ever that is so like you know you hear about like people giving bad presents from like you know going to the gas station and buying batteries or something i that like the nail is like that so funny <laughs> oh my god i seriously like i never i never told anyone about this i i i didn't think about it for a long time it just came back to me <laughs> that's hilarious and um were you all living in japan at the time yeah i was born uh, uh everyone's born raised in japan i'm the only one abroad right now so yeah when he was still alive we were we were a big family. Me, my brother, and my parents, my grandparents, my father's size grandparents, and then my great grandma was also alive. So seven of us living in a big house. It's called Yamanashi. We are just like it's next to Tokyo, but in between like downtown Tokyo and Yamanashi, uh, there are mountains. So it, the scenery changes completely when you go from Tokyo to Yamanashi, even though it's next to each other. So my brother is two, three, three years younger than me. He's in Japan, of course. He's in Tokyo working. He's he's the smart one in the family. And I am this artist, I guess. And my mom was a housewife for a long time. She she went to school and stuff, but like um after she got married, she quit her job. They my parents met at their job. And they were in the same office and she quit and became housewife, but she had to go back to work when my father passed away and she retired a few years ago, but she's like, I don't know, she's just still busy working. She's hardworking woman. After my father passed away, me, my brother, my mom, my grandma and my great grandma were living together. And then my great grandma passed away and then we were still living together. My mom, my mother and my grandma are like mother and daughter-in-law. Yeah, so it was a very unique situation, which I found out just like a few years ago, recently I found out they actually made it, actually my grandma adopted my mom after years after that. So my mom could, inherit stuff or whatever like that legal reason so your dad's mom adopted your mom yeah this is something i found out recently and i had no idea but they were close like yeah they were like okay now we are family and we lost you lost your husband i lost my husband and the son and then i guess we should stay together and just legally, it was, it made sense to adopt my mom, so it's easier with like all all other like paperwork, probably tax purposes or anything, not just money, but like you know, yeah, it made it easier for everything to just be actual family uh, legally. <laughs> so 
that's so beautiful. That's so, I know it's like, oh, paperwork and legal and all that stuff. But like, Mm -hmm. just the idea of that is so, so lovely that, yes, I've lost my son, but I still have you and you're my real family. Like, oh, that's like my heart. (laughs) Oh, that's so lovely. I wish I knew that when that happened, but like, they didn't tell me. And I I had the same feeling. I, I was like, wow, that's like unique, very very unique situation but uh, yeah that's pretty that that's beautiful and Mm -hmm. yeah but they somehow they didn't tell me (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember when my father was getting cremated is that the word like getting burnt (laughs) i (laughs) yes i remember she was like crying like yelling and crying i have never seen her ever in that like emotional state that's the only time in my whole life she heard that emotional she was like oh um you died like my husband is uh, getting burned <laughs> and like i guess cremated is the uh, japanese word she used but yeah but it was um very it was upsetting to me that to to see my mother being like that and she not yeah now i think about it she must be 30 34 or 35 must be 34 years old and that's a young age to lose a husband and and all the relatives had so much like pity towards her I think so growing up I was always told like make sure you support your mother like I heard that like millions of times Mm -hmm. and I was so tired of it and that's why I became a bad girl and I didn't support my mother for a long time even now I don't think I I, yeah like I I feel weird it's it's not a trauma but like it's it's one of those like childhood thing that I still feel uh, like uh, I don't feel comfortable when pe- people tell me like oh make sure you take care of your mother mm-hmm. it's uh, one of those things but yeah so my mother is a strong woman which had an unfortunate <laughs> daughter's uh, teenage years 34 is bananas young like mm-hmm. I'm 31 I don't know how old you are I'm 31 mm-hmm. 34 is so young to have gone through what feels like she lived multiple lives to get Mm -hmm. to that. So that is like mind boggling. And I, of course, she is strong (laughs) to have come out on the other side of that. Um, But also, I think like I, I hear what you're saying about like, you know, you felt like you were rebelling and that you weren't there for her. I feel the same way about, you know, after my mom passed. I, I didn't rebel, but I, I wasn't there for my dad in that same way. And I was way older than you. Like, you were eight years old. I was 27. And I think it was, like, in a way that was just my grief coming through. Like, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think I wanted to be, like, yeah, I don't care about anyone. I think I just, like, didn't have capacity. Not that that excuses anything, but I get that weird feeling of like when people tell you like, oh, you better take care of your dad or like after my mom passed away, everyone kept saying because I'm the only daughter, uh, they were like, oh, like she's living through you. So you have to live your life a certain Uh, way now. Yeah. And I just remember that weight of it. I I felt 
like weighed down by it. I still do. Like my mom passed away four years ago and still when people say things like, oh, like, you know, you have to pray or you have to do this or you have to live a certain way. I'm still like, I, I already am her daughter. I already look like her. I already sound like her. I don't understand this expectation of like, I have to model my life after her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's something that really bothered me for a while and that's something that gives me that same weird like like it's a weird guilting thing almost yeah yeah true yeah and it's like that's the last thing I need (laughs) that's the last thing like I just lost someone that's very close to me the last thing I need is for you to put more expectations or pressure on me and especially like again thinking about your situation you were a child like what did you have capacity to to support your mother with like that's not fair Mm -hmm. So this is my long-winded way of saying, like, if you still feel weird about it, it's okay to feel weird. And it's also, like, maybe okay to shed some of that pressure off. Yeah. Oh, sure. That you're healing me today. It's like, <laughs> there's, like, so many years of, like, oh, I have to support my mother, but I'm a bad girl. <laughs> like, you're not. Yeah. You're wow. just being a child. We're, we're yeah. supposed to do that. Um you said this was like your mom was 34, so your dad must have been pretty young too. 35, I think. Yeah. This is another thing that my family didn't tell me, but at the end, I found out he died uh, of cancer. And I didn't know that until I was like 20 years old, or maybe younger, about like 18 or something. And the reason why that, like, they, ha- they hid that from me was. Um, like things about cancer it, and also my grandpa who passed away uh, half a year later also died by cancer so um, my family was afraid that like people have um, weird bi- biases or something like they, they didn't want my like my brother to be like oh like everyone in the in the man in the families die by cancer also maybe like he will also have cancer or like they they were worried that like we are gonna be labeled as cancer family in the you know in the community or whatever which could yeah possibly could happen because um you know, countryside people always talk about other people and they just have weird rumors all the time. So now I understand, like, you know, that was their concern. Uh, like, we are being labeled as cancer family. But, yeah, so they, they didn't really tell me. And I was always told, like, um, yeah, he died because he was sick. And I remember he was in the hospital for a little bit. And, yeah, so and, and as a child, I didn't really know i was such a healthy person too so i didn't really understand there are different kinds of sickness mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just like okay being ill means just like being in a hospital and lying bed and i didn't really like dig in too much and uh, probably i was starting to sense something that that's something that my family did not want to talk about either mm-hmm. so i didn't really ask much either but yeah he he had cancer and I mean, I completely understand your family wanting to protect you from that, but I'm I am curious about the label of cancer family. Is there some social stigma around cancer? At the time, maybe more like pe- probably less cure for cancer back then. Like nowadays, a little more like a possibilities of surviving is higher probably, mm-hmm. and 
I'm not too sure. I guess like in general, like if someone's sick, like even right now, like if someone's like coughing, you don't want to be close. Or like, yeah, I'm not too sure if like people's knowledge about cancer was not like like standard. I remember visiting him, but not so often. Mm-hmm. And that's something like I kind of regret. And I remember when my friend in high school, he his mother was sick and in the hospital. And I remember telling him like, okay, make sure you visit her as much as you can. <laughs> because I wasn't in control. I, I was young and someone has to drove me to the hospital. And and now I think back, maybe like my mother wanted to spend more like a long time with my father. So maybe did not want to have kids around. Maybe that's possible. But yeah, I wish I visited him more. Yeah, I remember like he was getting like weaker and weaker, like um, seeing him in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he has he had a liver cancer. So mm-hmm. he was starting to turn more like yellow at some point, like his skin started to change color. And I was you know, just being a kid like, oh, you're so yellow, like, like telling <laughs> my dad stuff like that. Yeah, and I. This is oh oh my god. There's so many things like I was re, like revealed after way, way later, but my mom knew that um, the doctors told her like he's not gonna live long, but or like my family, I guess my grandma, grandpa as well, but they didn't tell my father about it. And they always encouraged him, like, oh, you're going to live, you're going to survive, you're going to be fine, we're going to go traveling, you're going to, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's the thing in Japan. I don't know if it's still like that right now, but doctors always talk to the family first and then let them decide if they're telling the patient or not, like how long they <laughs> expect the patient to live. And yeah, in my family, they decided they're not going to tell my dad. And I I feel like I called him dad the first time right now, ever. <laughs> in my whole, like I, I always call him father because English is kind of like a separated from my life, my yeah. childhood life. What did you call him in, in Japanese? Otosan. Otosan is like dad, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he did not know, or probably he knew, but no one told him. And of course, they didn't tell me and my brother. So, yeah, I wish I knew a little more as a child. I'm sure I could take it and understand what's happening. So I will want to visit my father more often. But that was not the case. Mm. I think so. I I was a pretty mature child. (laughs) I remember... There was one thing I remember. This is like another thing I don't talk often about it. We, me, my brother and my mother visited her, my mother's friend, like a year or two after my father's passing. Mm-hmm. And they did fall away. So we had to take the bullet train for the first time, like all that kind of stuff. And then my brother and I were like playing video games at my this, this their house, my mother's friend's house. And just like being a kid thing. And, and I remember they were asking my mother, so what are you going to do now? Like, are you going to keep living with your, your uh, mother, mother-in-law? And you also have, like, uh, mother's mother-in-law. Like, <laughs> like, I remember they're telling just right here behind us, and me and my brother playing video games. And hearing that, and my mom was, like, not answering it right away. 
like I guess she had a lot to think about. And then, like me being mature, this like kid being a kid saying like, just like stop the video game and then like told him, so what's gonna happen to grandma? Like our, my grandma, if we leave, if we leave, is she gonna live by herself? What's gonna happen? It's just like, <laughs> and then like they were shocked, like oh this kid not paying attention to us. I was fully listening, playing video game, multitasking, and <laughs> just like <laughs> telling them like oh, yeah, grandma is gonna be so sad if we leave. And then like going back to the video game is my brother, yay! <laughs> just like acting that like I I don't care, but. I, I did care, and I think I, I I had a lot to think about by myself, too, as a child. That's amazing. That, just a quick pause to tell them who's boss. Yeah. <laughs> Use you. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, I believe you. You were a very mature child. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, it kind of, like, made me very sad, but also it makes a lot of sense that your dad maybe didn't know how things were going to be for him, but he knew maybe on some level. Um, mm-hmm. When he passed away, I know you said that like your mom was crying a lot and that was like really hard to see. Do you remember how you or your grandmother or your siblings reacted? I remember this is another like vivid memory I have is the moment that he died is it's, it's fascinating. It's um, like, it's so emotional, but it's so like medical. It, it, it's science, how human die. And yeah, the moment he died was, he was in bed, plugged into all those things. And I think probably the doctor, I, I don't remember this part, but like doctor probably said, oh, he's going or, you know, that kind of stuff. And then people started to like be very quiet. And yeah. Have you ever seen people die? Yeah. I w- <laughs> yeah, I watched my mom die. <laughs> yeah, I remember like he's, yeah, when uh, they're already, he, yeah, as I said, like he was a popular person. He, there were no friends or any, anyone, but like, close family and even like his aunts and, and and uncles like so many people at the hospital by the time I, I arrived and it was like really late at night and people already like so sad and I could he- feel that like really feel that like sadness in the air and I arrived and then my my mother was like oh Ayaka and Shuhei's here um she said it's just like a movie she said like wink once if you recognize them or something like that and then he did so at that time we can tell he still he could still think mm-hmm. and he recognized me and Shuhei even though he couldn't talk he's plugged into like some air thing and like all the tubes and everything and then the time that uh the doctor is like okay he's really really going and yeah, his eye opened up so wide, and but the the machine, the tit tit tit, that thing, it doesn't go to right away like movies or TV dramas. It still keeps going, and that's because the blood is still circulating, and like 
the movies are wrong. It doesn't go too right away. It's it's so wrong, so wrong. And yeah, it was um the moment that like the I thing happened and we know that he's done. He he's finishing his life. And doctor had to like check some something and then like he announces okay he's dead and time is blah 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 and my mom like i don't know shouted or something like like sobbed or like something and she like covered like went over my father like 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 uh, yeah he's lying down bed like he she went over and and cried a little bit and that was the end and I cried and everyone was crying and later this is another one later story revealed that my mom told me that time like she like covered her her, him up uh she kissed him and I have never seen my parents kiss or any and even like affection like holding hands or anything I've never seen my parents do that ever but she told me just once uh yeah she kissed him one last time and yeah that was the end uh, i uh i mean i said it jokingly earlier about like watching my mom die but i literally watched her die and it's very similar of um you know there's like this there is that sadness and stillness in the air, but it's strange because, like, right before she was dying and right after she died, there was all this action. Like, I feel like mm. there was so much motion all around us because, you know, pulse, whatever it is, like, they're checking a thousand different things. I just remember being like, hey, do something, please. Like, this this can't be it. Do something. And I just remember, like, it went from this complete stillness to like this frenzy of like, no, 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 no. Like you can do something. And then they just, you know, they were like, we can't, we can't do anything. And they, the announcement of like time of death, etc. cetera. I, I see that in movies and I'm like, that's bullshit. Like they never announce it. Like they, that's not how it happens. Like there's mm-hmm. so much more, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. It's like frenzy, but there's like so much the air is so full in that moment mm-hmm. that it just, it, I don't know. I don't know if movies could ever get it right, to be quite honest. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I hear you about that sort of like, you know, watching. And it's so funny that like you said your mom, you never watched your parents be, uh, you know, affectionate. I, I think the only time in my life I watched my parents be affectionate was like my dad came back from a work trip like a really long work trip and my parents hugged at the airport and I remember my brother and I were just like what's happening <laughs> why, are they, why are they being nice to each other <laughs> it was yeah. so odd my parents were never affectionate and like the one time we saw them hug at the airport we were like get away from each other what are you doing yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I think that that your mom gave your dad a last kiss is so beautiful but it's also yeah, I totally get it. I was like, what are you doing? I'd be like, no, that, that's not, that's, that's weird. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, the moment that happened was everyone's crying. I feel it. Yeah, you put it so well. Like action, so many like action happened. That's so true. Like I remember now that the electric shock. Like they tried to like bring him back and stuff like that. <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. what what a unique situation when in that like room. Yeah. So at that time I was sad, and then after that is also hectic too. Like they have to like bring him to. Mog, Mog is as I say, like mm-hmm. where you keep the dead body, like that kind of stuff happens, and then we are in this elevator that, like, only the dead body goes to Mog, like with the family and the dead body, like all that kind of stuff. Just like so many like first time experience <laughs> as a child, and as for some people, for other as an adult as, as well, as mm-hmm. I guess, and um, so all that kind of thing was like everything is new and everything is just weird it's it's um yeah sad but also like what's happening whoa what's this or what's this like kind of like not exciting but like uh, um stimulated i guess like like looking at so many things i have never seen and that kept going for the whole day of like so busy like when person dies it's so busy of like setting up the funeral and everything and in japan uh most people are most i would say like the majority of japanese people are not buddhist but we do the buddhist style um funeral ceremony mm-hmm. and so we have a um buddhist temple in a community and they will hold all of the like ceremonies and stuff like that and then it's like two two day long um like a, I just say the gathering and stuff happens and before that this is this, i don't know if it's a it's a buddhist thing or japanese buddhist thing but we sleep in the same room is the dead body is what we do so that at that point, I was already, I guess I was kind of scared, like scared of ghost. Not like I already considered this is my father's dead body instead of like, oh, my, my father's going away. Like I already considered this is, uh, it, it's it's not human anymore. I was scared of it. Just, just like I'm scared of ghosts. And so that was like an immediate reaction, <laughs> like different emotions. And then a funny uh, thing happened at the funeral, right before the, the, the as I said, the two day funeral. What, the first day is like, uh, like more general people um, come and say goodbye. So like, not like a close friend, but like, a, I don't know, someone you knew from long time ago or neighbors that's like not the, the my like like really close neighbors but like from the community that's kind of far away. Like all those people come and visit. Again, my father was a popular, so like it was like so many people came and my uh some of my classmates came as a teacher because that's such a like it's the first death in my school for a long time, like parents dying. So yeah. And I remember my friends came and they, we do like a um, incense, kind of like a, a, a put put the incense in fire. Everyone does it. Probably like few hundred people were there, and everyone do it one by one. And when my friend did it, this eight year old, my classmate, we were just giggling at each other. And so at that point, I guess I was kind of removing myself from the reality of 
grief and just like, oh, there's my friend, like visiting my home. Like, I don't think he's ever came to my home. Ha ha ha. Like, that kind of emotion was already like coming into me, not just like, just complete, like, upset uh, kind of emotion. And then at the funeral, I got happy that so many of my um, relatives gathering and eating and kind of like celebrating his life right in a way it's still uh grieving and and everyone's sad but at the same time like okay let's um like talk nice things about him or that kind of positivity is still there right and then so i was so happy to see so many of my relatives and i started showing my art project and like okay this is what i made can we play this game i made a board game and i started like trying to entertain everyone and that upset some of the adults so like my mom told me okay tomorrow's actual funeral like the, the main day and please don't do that like everyone's upset and not in the mood of you know having fun with your board game so <laughs> i guess so that that's a very like childish part of me came out like that and then after that is what I told you about, like going to the cremation facility, and my mom's like, like losing it, and he, she was hugging me, and she was crying, and I could see everyone's looking at us, but I didn't care. When I cried a lot too, and um, going to have he, his bones buried into his tombstone, like. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, like put the, it's in a nice bin and we place that under um, tombstone graveyard. That's like 49 days after his death. That's like the Japanese Buddhist thing, 49 days after. So yeah, so 49 days after we all again like gathered like many people and it's a parade we make. And I guess it's the most traditional way you do. And because we live in countryside, it happened. It's a huge parade from my home to graveyard, which is, I think it's like 30 minute walk or so. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when you walk, everyone walked there, including my great grandma at the time. She must be like already close to 90 years old. Like everyone walk as like an owner to my father. And that parade thing, parade is a uh, maybe not the right way of saying like walking, marching, I guess, mm -hmm. funeral march, and funeral march, maybe that's what it is. Um, at that time, I was excited. I was like, this is so new and unique, and I don't experience this. None of my classmates experience this. This is like cool, is my reaction to that. So, very mixed feelings of all sorts of emotions and feelings and like stimulation everywhere yeah so lots of excitement as well long term i think within a year or two i remember this one time my well my friend a, a boy who was kind of like a not a bully but like a class leader because he's kind of strong like that kind of boy who really really liked me like everyone knew that he his favorite girl girl was me and so like you know like a young boy's like being mean to like the girl who uh he likes and one time he said to me you don't even have father something like that and that was like a year or two after my father's passing but that hurt me the most like that that made me realize oh i'm different from everyone like i'm like i'm 
inferior than everyone because I don't I only have my mother. And like single mother, single father was not really a common thing back then. Like divorce rate was not high in Japan back then. And you don't really <laughs> lose your parents at that young age. So like I me and the only other person in the school was like single mother, like family household. So that hurt me probably the most, probably one of the most like hurtful things someone ever said to me in my life. And I still remember the feeling of like I yelled and cried so loud. And then like I was such a like strong, happy child. So yeah, teachers were so worried and I'm sure he was in big trouble. Um, yeah, so that emotion as well. But in... Other than that, I took his death as such a, like a, I guess it took me a few years, but like such a positive thing. Mm. So it is a unique experience to lose a a father at such a young age. And I was like, okay, it could happen to me as well anytime. Like death felt like close to me. So I have to enjoy every moment. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to like fulfill my soul every every day so I don't regret when I die so that that like um, switch happened like quite very early on so yeah by the time I was like grade five or six or something like that like I was always like this person this child who's always like so happy doing so many things and having so many friends and and like yeah just like yolo yolo that's <laughs> like you know like that that's like my motto since i was like since i was like 10 years old <laughs> yeah yeah so it kind of became like in, in a way kind of like a positive experience like my father's death was a positive mm. experience yeah well sorry it was so long to get to that 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 was a process that was a process (laughs) that was incredible (laughs) i love that you created yolo before any of us knew about it (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) you should sue drake um i'm man when you were talking about like oh this boy liked me i was so ready to like like that guy for you and then oh I just, I want to punch that kid in the face. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is such an awful, awful thing. It did, I, I mean, I was, I was going to ask, like, what was it like going back to school, you know, mm-hmm. as as this child, all of a sudden now there's this new reality that you're living through. Um, but I think you kind of covered it already. That, yeah, that's so hard. Hard is not a good enough word for it, but it's a start. Like, it's just that's indescribable amount of pain. Um, what I really loved uh, that you said is, like, after someone dies, it's very sad, but it also weirdly stimulating. It's It's mm. a surreal experience. It's kind of like you're seeing the world in a new way. Yeah. Everything was new. Like, even after my mom passed, like, I didn't have to deal with the morgue and the, um, like, the paperwork and things like that. But my friends drove me back to our house. And I remember coming back home, like, I couldn't, I had to stop in front of the front door. And, like, I, I was just bawling my eyes out because I was like, 
I've never walked into our house knowing that my mother is dead before. Like it's such a it it's surreal. Like every step you take, everything you do for that period, whether it's days, weeks, months, everything feels new in a way. And I don't know some of it was as you said, exciting. Like when I mm-hmm. went back to Bangladesh after my mom died, it was the first time I had gone back without her. Like I left Bangladesh when I was 11. I'd gone back several times with my mom, but at 27 going back without her, it was a completely different experience. I felt like I was experiencing the world, this country, this place that I'm from in a very different way than I ever had before. So yeah, it's a really, really surreal um, experience. And even just like, um, I hate that kid. I hate that kid who did that to you. That's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, It's interesting though, like the funeral march that you're describing, I think it's kind of similar um, in Bangladesh where Mm. it's not that, uh, so first of all, Bangladesh still very sexist. So women aren't allowed to participate in a lot of things, um, especially religious uh, things. So in Islam, um, men and women live, very separate lives and like it's a lot to get into but uh basically um there is sort of this funeral procession that goes like you take the dead body from you know where from home to the mosque for prayer and then to the burial ground and in this procession women are not allowed so I I wasn't allowed to go to the, you know, to the mosque or to the funeral grounds with my mom. So I had to, <laughs> I, I'm enjoying your reaction because for me, I'm like, this was, this was sad, but it was also normal for me. Um, but I had to say goodbye to her downstairs in like my grandparents' house, um, not even the garage. It's just like this, this empty area downstairs before the stairs. I I just had to like like they were closing the coffin and they were like everyone was telling me like they're gonna take her away this is it and I just I like you know uh, her body was all wrapped up in the uh, with white cloth but like we had left a little part of her face open um, and I just remember like touching her forehead and giving her a kiss and then like they put the white cloth over her they closed the coffin and they took her away and I just like stood there I was like okay and then my cousins like my girl cousins because they were also not allowed to go they took me away and they brought me upstairs and the way my grandparents house is like there's this there are these large windows facing the road so I could watch them leave like I could watch the procession going towards the mosque and I was just the closest thing I could think of at the time was like this is like the opposite of Mardi Gras, where like on Mardi Gras, everyone stands on balconies and watches people party downstairs. And like there's a whole street full of happy things. And I was standing on a balcony watching the saddest thing that has ever happened in my life. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. <laughs> that's the that's the beauty of it. But yeah, I just remember being like, every part of this is bullshit. And uh but also it's it's like yeah it's it's surreal it's like i i had never experienced something like that before and i hope i never have to again um mm. 
so yeah, it's it's just there's so much there's so much around death and grief. And then, like the weird thing is, I've never told anyone that before. Like this is the first time I'm talking about it four years later. So this is where I, I like there's so much around death and dying and grief that we just don't talk about. Mm-hmm. We just kind of accept it happens. We accept it as normal. And then we just try to move on. We try to make sense of day to day. We try to make coffee and go to work and whatever. But like mm-hmm. there's so much uh, humanity around those moments that just never gets mm-hmm. talked about. Um, yeah. I love your story in the sense of like, I feel you, I feel you, but that's hard. Like that, like man and woman thing, Mm -hmm. that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I have always joked about being a bad Muslim, but like, I don't think I've ever felt like a worse Muslim than on that day. (laughs) It's, it's fun being, being this person. Um, Um, yeah, I think I said a little bit about YOLO. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think that that is my biggest takeaway of this process that, yeah, just realizing people die and death is always around you. And that, that, like, I realized that at such a young age and it helped me to feel other people as well like right now like we can share these uh, like experience which not not everyone can talk about this like Mm -hmm. losing your parents and oh yeah it's a funny funny thing that like i kind of sense people oh this person is single mother like growing up single mother oh this person must uh lost a parent when Mm. when they're young like it, it happened like many times growing up in like junior high school, high school, like I just like get like close to someone, like be good friends, and then later find out, oh, you also lost your father. Like that mm. happened like a few times. Like so, I guess we all become sensitive to certain things, and it's probably like compassion, kindness, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. as well as I guess being strong or being more independent or like. Um, my mother told me that she raised me and my brother to be like independent and strong yeah this was my concern as well like if I lose my mother I'm gonna be orphan like that was like always a fear around me but uh, at, at the same time my mother was raising me and brother to be independent so she put me to like swimming school uh that was like I didn't um, didn't have like any of my friends were in or um, she let me go to this like a trip that you know like a camp or something like that. I don't have any friends but like I was forced to make friends like that kind of situation and mm-hmm. she let me go to a high school that was like a little bit far away from my home like all that kind of stuff so I have this like sub- survival skills and so as my brother I think that that made me. I guess stronger, independent. So at the end, that made me decide to move to Canada by myself. And my all my relatives are like, "What are you doing? You are supposed to support your mother. Why are you going away from your mother?" And that became a huge like family issue. And I had to convince everyone, "No, this is my life. I have to 
you know, I, I'm tired of Japan and I'm going to go abroad and do my thing and YOLO, right? But um, yeah, but I think that's the process. I'm like, yeah, just be independent in case of my mother also passes away and just make my own life and enjoy, like be happy, be positive. Why, why are you like, crying or being sad about small things everything is small when like when you die like there's nothing so just just keep going having fun having fun is a big thing um yeah so that that was like young age recognition and i think i still have that that feeling or that spirit Mm. i carry that with me everywhere well i was thinking about him a lot like uh, recently, that I am now older than my father, and I it was a huge, huge like mind like switch yeah. in, in my head, and yeah, I couldn't believe like like in, in maybe it's a Japanese culture as well. Being older means being wiser, being more successful, maybe probably like having more money, just have more authority, like everything. Elderly people has like more like wisdom everything um and i don't feel that way i feel like i'm this still a little child just having fun oh i have to enjoy every moment like that that's how i have been living and i don't have kids like two kids i don't have that i don't work in finance like i (laughs) it's like you know um he like i don't have what he had and yeah it i just feel wow he had done a lot in his life mm. in that short life and I I never catch up even though I'm older I, I don't think I, I ever get there is how I feel and it's not a competition but like I kind of feel I can compare what I have done and what he has done and maybe like some people's eyes like I'm doing more things because I'm abroad and I'm you know I have a job and but I feel just like I never get there and there's no way to catch up or talk about it with him. So that's, um, yeah, that that's something I will think about it for the rest of my life. But to honor him, yeah, I, I guess that's honoring him. Like mm-hmm. I respect him and I can never go beyond, like, um, you know, go above <laughs> what he has done or like his success. And, recently this is like another thing i realized now i'm married and my husband and i have spent more time than i spent with my father and that was also like mind-blowing to realize that just like recently i just realized and yeah even like eight years of my life i spent with my father now with my husband i think we've been together for like 11 or 12 years and that's yeah, I guess I know my husband better than my father, for sure. But that, just to recognize, I realized that was, like, yeah, it was like an epiphany moment. I was like, like, what? Wait, what? I'm older than my father? And I know my husband, like, Nico, longer than my father? What? It was a big thing. But, yeah, just all honor him. Like, yeah, I, I, I want to thank him all the time for making me, the person I am and it became a positive thing as I said it's a weird way of saying someone's death was a positive experience but 
because I experienced that at such a young age, it's, um, yeah, that all those stimulation that I had, the day that he died, as well as like throughout the whole like years that I've been thinking about this and yeah, it, it became a positive thing. So I have to thank him. That's how I honor him. That's so beautiful. <laughs> My heart. Uh, just the thought of like you're older than your father, like that, that took my breath away. And it also made me think like I'm 31 and my mom had me when she was 32. Oh, (laughs) it's so weird to think about. This is what I mean where I'm like, I feel like our parents lived multiple lives in, in their, in their years. And I, I feel I, like you were saying you feel behind compared to your dad. Like I'm like, light years behind compared to my mom like she was married she was having her second kid she was working I mean I'm working but like yeah it's just weird like time just keeps going and you just got to do what you got to do with it so ultimately YOLO (laughs) (laughs) yes now usually I would wax poetic about something in this part But today, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to read something to you that Ayaka shared with me after our conversation. This wasn't in our recording, but she wanted me to share this with everyone regardless. She wrote, I remembered that my husband Nico and my father met once. There was a ceremony that happens once a century in each household in Japan, where we open the family grave and everyone's urns. The purpose of the ceremony is to release their ashes and the ceramic urn to the earth because their soul reached the highest rank of beings in heaven. They no longer need the remains on earth. We held that ceremony when my husband, back then he was my fiancé, was visiting Japan with me for the first time, and we held my father's ashes, bones, and his skull. Even for Japanese people, it's a rare ceremony, and my husband was of course shocked with that custom. But nonetheless, he met my father that way. I thought I would freak out seeing the bones, especially the skull, but in the end, it was a rather heartwarming experience. Well, that's all this week. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts to listen, and please rate and leave us a review. It really helps. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FindersGrievers and write to us at FindersGrievers at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in two weeks. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.